0: Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. let yes, to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you. For joining us for our time of the study of the Word here, we study the Bible. We aim to study from the Book of Genesis, to Revelation, and by the grace of God, we believe that He will teach us, He will guide us, and there is no limitation to the revelation of the Word of God that we already say here, and we believe for God to reveal His Word to us. Now we are handling the Book of Matthew, and uh, today I want us to continue with our Chapter Five. From verse 21 of the book of Matthew, it starts by saying, You've heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. Now, this uh, statement here, you shall not commit murder. Of course, they're talking about the ancients who were told because it is a message that they ref- they received years and years ago. As they are being spoken to right now, as Jesus is speaking. And he's speaking from the moral law that was given to them, the Ten Commandments, as we may call them, that were given through Moses in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. He says, You shall not kill. Yeah. Other versions will say, You shall not commit murder. And this is where Jesus now is coming to remind them and says, You have had. So it has been known to you. You have had this being spoken to you before. Remember, over generations, this message would be sent to the people. Over generations, the, the word or scripture or the law would be read to the people. And that's what he does that here. And we see Jesus citing scripture a lot. yeah, Referring to that which has been written, which has already been given. Uh, to the people and uh, like any good rabbi would do you you would have to explain that which you have told them and jesus does that he explains he tells them and uses the word that they used a lot that you have had all other jewish teachers would also use that and uh, this would help them establish a clear understanding or meaning of whatever text they would be reading because they would have reference. To eat, but of course, Jesus in this case is greater when he's speaking, when he's coming out to speak, he speaks with much more authority than those other Jewish teachers had. Uh, because for him, he's come in a special class, yeah. So, he does teach like the other rabbis, they used to use that. You have had a lot, and he too does use it. Though for him, when he's speaking, he's speaking in a much more greater authority. And the message is, You shall not. Commit murder. For whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. You shall not kill. That's what he's telling them. And says, but you shall. But I say to you that anyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Anyone who says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Some say anyone who says raka. Yeah. And anyone who says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. There are three aspects here coming out as far as consequences are concerned. Angry at your brother all hates. There are some versions that say who hates his brother. Yeah? You're guilty before the court. That is one. Then those who say you are good for nothing. You're guilty before the Supreme Court. Yeah? So there are consequences for the first It's the court for the second, the Supreme Court, and the ones who say you fall into the fairy hell. Of course, here it's being referred to as fairy hell, but that is which we know uh, normally as hell. So the Supreme Court, the court, the fairy hell. Those are the conditions for those who say those three things or who practice those three things. Being angry or hating your brother saying to somebody you're good for nothing, and three, calling somebody a fool. And it's practically, uh, interestingly here, that the reference being given for hatred here or being angry at someone is given in equation to murder. That when you hate somebody, you have murdered them. And that's how extreme uh, scripture gets on some occasions. That when you hate somebody, yeah, uh, this act of murder, yeah, is that inward choice of anger that somebody takes, and it, it much violates the law of God against murder because to to kill something first grows within you that you hate, and we need to be very careful. With hating, with hatred, because when you hate, the next thing is to kill. People who practice murder, who get out into murder, are people who have anger within them. So when he says that if you're angry to the brother, then you've killed them, it's all in the same line. So I may say I've never murdered somebody, but do I have somebody that I hate so much? Yeah? Somebody on your, uh, within you, you. You you hate that person. You feel like the next minute you find them, you hold them and kill them. You have murdered them. That's as clear as it is. So that, number one, you are liable to the court. Yeah? And we shall talk about the issue of the court there. Then to those who say you're good for nothing. Other versions will say raka. Uh, now, raka is the Aramaic for empty-headed or worthless. If somebody... Is being considered that is good for nothing. You're empty-headed, or you are worthless. In Aramaic, it would be referred to as raka. Remember, Aramaic is the language that they learn when they are taken into exile to Babylon, and when they return back to their home, they pick on a new language. Yeah, they return with a totally new language, which is Aramaic, that they come with. And there, when they would say raka, they would mean you're empty-headed, you are worthless. These are words we use so many times. Yeah, you're talking to your friend or you you in a conversation and you say that, that that guy is worthless. That guy has an empty head. They are good for nothing. They are they will not amount to anything. And we need to be careful because there you've been told that you will have to answer before the Supreme Court. Now for all the times we've done that, you're wondering the Supreme Court of my nation has never called me. They've never sent me um, that we need you in court for calling so and so worthless, or good for nothing. But uh, you you need to understand that the punishments here being given are roughly equal. The day of God's judgment, yeah, the heavenly Sanhedrin or the Supreme Court, and uh, when you're talking about these. And hell are all in the same bracket. When they talk the court, when they talk the Supreme Court, when they are talking hell, they are talking God's judgment. That judgment that shall come on the day of the Lord. And these are all the same. So the Jewish literature described God's heavenly tribunal as a Supreme Court. Yeah. Or they would describe it as a Sanhedrin. Yeah. And it's the same as the one that's on earth. So, what is being spoken over here in context is not um, the courts that are physical here on earth. No, they are talking about the Lord's court, the judgment of God. When you are angry to your bro- at your brother, when you hate your brother, when you get out and call them raka or you call them worthless, good for nothing, or you call them fool, then you are prone to the judgment of God, and that is where you will stand and you have to account that is the court they're talking about here that is hell as a repercussion or consequence of the way we talk and the hell of fire of course to them in the jewish culture is the gehenna of fire that's what they refer to it and they envisioned as the teachers in the in the jewish land that gehinom is the opposite of paradise if you don't get into paradise then you get into gehinom and in gehinom is Where the wicked would be burnt up, according to some of these teachers, all if not have eternal torture, according to some of the, the teachers uh, of the law and the word in the Jewish culture. And uh, here, the addition of fire makes this gehinom have that character that is more emphatic. Yeah, and uh, this is something that we need to understand that when Jesus is out here speaking, also speaking as a teacher, because he was called rabbi, he's letting you know that the way you treat others, the things you say to others, the words you speak to others, have an impact on the judgment that is to come. When you come out and call people worthless, when you come out and call people good for nothing, when you come out and call people fool, how many times do we say that? You fool. We're exposing ourselves to judgment. That is to come. And that is where we need to be very, very careful as Christians. Do not call people fools. However much you're angry, do not keep that anger and let it get into the next day because you're piling up hatred within your heart towards others. And what is clear from the scriptures we've read here that those who pile up that anger, those who hate, they are guilty of the fiery hell. That is to come. So Jesus here is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to his people. He's speaking to the followers. And when he's speaking to them, he's speaking to you and me. He's giving us this message of love. Do not hate. Because the moment you hate somebody, then you've murdered them. And that's how extreme it is. And it's interesting that uh, sometimes when we are teaching today, we are saying, Oh, now when Jesus came, he did not make things any tougher. no. When he comes out and is preaching, he's making it stricter. So he did not come to take away the law, but rather to fulfill it. And when he teaches, it is in that extreme nature. And says, therefore, in verse 23, if you're presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go, First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Now, what he's saying here, if I'm going to church, for example, I want to bring it to our normal context that we understand. And I'm going to church, I'm going to pray, I'm going to worship the Lord for the good things he has done. And it comes to pass that I remember that I have done something to my brother. I have had something. And here the brother they're talking about, they're not uh, implying that it is the one that, the real blood brother. No, anybody else, yeah, that you live with is your brother, is your sister. And you remember that you had somebody. Before you present that offering, before you give that offering at the altar, in that basket where you put your offering in your church, Go and sort it out with them. Remember that you have to go and sort it out with them. Be reconciled to your brother. Otherwise, there are so many offerings that are being rejected. I'll say that again. There are so many offerings that we give, and God does not receive them. Reason, we have grudges. We are hurting people. We are breaking people's hearts in all ways. And then we come and lift hands and say, these are holy hands to you, O Lord. Receive them, receive our worship, receive our offering. God here is saying that is not something I agree with. So he's practically saying, sort the issues of your heart. Sort the issues of relationship with others before you come to offer to me. And that's what Jesus is telling them. That is what he is clear with them and telling them, resolve issues with one another before you can give that tithe, before you can give that offering. Otherwise, there are so many things we shall do. There are so many offerings we shall give. We shall give all types of tithe. But then, if we still have wrangles, if we are still treating people badly, they shall not be received. Can an offering be rejected? Yes. And in Judaism, there was stressing of reconciliation between people, between individuals. That reconcile, make peace. God would not accept an offering that has been given outwardly, if one had oppressed or mistreated their neighbor, and they have not gone out to make it right. Yeah. And in the Old Testament, God accepted only sacrifices, as we've read over the times when we've been reading the or studying the Old Testament. That God only accepted sacrifices that were being offered with a pure heart towards Him, and. Uh, that you you have treated your neighbor well. yeah. That you have a clean heart towards that neighbor of yours. And that is what God was accepting. And right now, let me tell you, that has not changed. God still wants you to treat your neighbor well. And God will receive your offering in that context. If you also reconcile. If you also take people with respect and honor them. Then that's when God receives your offering. How many offerings have we given? And they've not been accepted. And then we shall argue and say, I do give all the time. I have done all this, but I don't see any results. Have you reconciled with those you've had? And that reconciliation even takes it a notch higher. Sometimes you have to even return that which you've stolen. Because you may have stolen people's land. You may have stolen people's property. You may have stolen people's anything that was not yours and you took it. In reconciliation, you take it back. That's the, that's the word we read. That's the Bible we, we read. That's the God we follow. That you make peace. When you're making peace, when you're reconciling, you shall not retain that which is not yours and just speak words. You get that land and return it. You get that money and return it. That is the reconciliation here that is being talked about. Then, after you shall come and you shall offer to the Lord, and your offering shall be accepted. It's Jesus saying, they're not my words. Yeah. And he goes on and says in verse 25, make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I say to you, you will not come out of there. Where? The prison until you have paid the last cent. This is, of course, in connection also with the offering that we've just talked about that if you don't reconcile with people, they will always take you to court and you will pay every penny of it because you are guilty. But also, it comes out to tell you, be wise to always settle things out of court when you get into the legal fraternity. And in courts of law, sometimes you, there are cases that the judge comes out and says, you go and sort this out of, out of court. Yeah, You go sit and sort this out of court because it's likely that you may end up paying a lot more yeah, he's practically giving you uh, this wisdom that resolve things before they go so far. Make sure that if it is resolvable, you do it. You know you've hurt somebody. You know you are you're the one who's guilty. Don't let them take you to the courts of law. Sort it out earlier on, and uh, that is wisdom. You know Jesus also speaks to us in wisdom that you be wise. Because it doesn't matter how much ego you have, no. Sort it out with your brother. Sort it out with your sister before it goes too far. That's very, very important to us. I have a friend who was telling me um, they were stopped, uh, somebody who was stopped by a traffic officer. And, uh, of course, they had committed some traffic offense. But then in the car, I think there was some gospel music and all. And the officer knew that the person I'm talking to is a Christian. So uh, this guy didn't want, of course, to, to pay any bribe of any sort. And uh, the the traffic officer tells them that there's a scripture that, that says that uh, make friends with your opponent at law while uh, you are on the way so that it, it does not get to the judge. Practically, the officer was telling him, Sort me out now, because you've you've erred in the law. Before this goes too far, when it gets into to 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 the judge, it will be worse. Of course, this does not imply that you get out giving bribes. No, we need to pick context, but you need to know that even those who are accounting to us know the scripture, just like this officer was, and they can use it and twist it for their own advantage. But uh, that is not the context here. What you have to know is if you have wronged somebody, if you have committed an offense, it's clear for you to go and reconcile. It's clear and very wise for you to sort it out before it gets beforehand. Because when it does, you have to pay damages, you pay every other penny of it when it goes so far. And Jesus gives us that wisdom there. And it says in verse twenty seven You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. Hmm? But I say to you, listen, that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, the women might think that they are out of this. But also, we need to know that everyone who looks at a man with lust for him has already committed adultery with him in her heart it's two ways it's not one way what Jesus is talking about here is not uh, one way traffic that adultery happens only for the men no even for the women and we always have that thought that uh, adultery is when uh, somebody is married and uh, after because because they're married if they get out and have any relationship with somebody they're not married to, who's not their spouse, then they've committed adultery. No, Jesus here makes it clear to us, and he says, if you look at a woman with lust, yeah, you look at somebody with that desire to have them for sexual affairs, let us be clear on that: that you look at them and you desire them. There are those desires of the flesh that come along when you are looking. Then you have already committed adultery with that person. And it is not just the physical touch. Even that which, is, which goes on within you, in your mind, in your heart, is regarded as adultery. So, adultery is committed by all sorts of people. It's committed by those who are married. But it's also committed by those who are single. The moment it falls into your heart, into your mind, and you start to lust for somebody, you have committed adultery with that person in your heart. You are guilty of adultery. And that is something Jesus is bringing out to us here in this teaching. Yeah, You shall not commit adultery. You shall not do that which has been also spoken in the law. Of course, this was mentioned in the, in the law that was given to Moses and the, the that which was given to the Israelites, and many of the Jewish ancient Jewish sources warned against lust, yeah, and uh, they emphasize this issue of we, the seductiveness of women that was given here, and Jesus here only emphasizes the, the responsibility of you who is lasting because. There, we shall always have all sorts of excuses that you know, these days they dress so seductively, the way the women dress, they are, uh, they, 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 they are doing it to channel our minds because they put on very short uh, dresses, short skirts, their bodies are exposed. No. When they are talking here, they don't talk about the person who is dressing indecently. They're talking about you who is practicing the act of lust. So don't shift it to the others. You work on yourself. That's what he's saying here. And it is not a, uh, an address to the seductive women. It is an address here Jesus is giving to the person who is lasting. Because it is you who's responsible for your own action. If you choose to take the direction to last, then it is you. And all other Jewish teachers looked down on last. And even some went as far as Jesus in regarding it as adultery. When Jesus comes out to say here that when you look at a woman and you lust, then you've committed adultery, it is a view that he shared with many other teachers or rabbis that were there during that time. And uh, the issue is not just about the Jesus hearers, but everybody knows that it has been said. It is an issue of your heart. It is an issue of your heart. Of course, it has some resemblance to the law that was given in Exodus 20, that you shall not desire your neighbor's wife, because that is spoken to them. You shall not desire or look at your neighbor's wife and desire that person. Jesus makes things harder. That is how it seems, that the one who came, The one who we easily misunderstand right now and say, oh, grace is abundant. Oh, the Lord does not matter anymore for him. He puts it a notch high and says, even if you have not committed the physical act, but it is in your mind, it is in your heart, then you have committed adultery. And he says, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go in hell. Here he's referring to what is just spoken and saying, Adultery sends to hell. Lust sends to hell. And he practically says, if there is anything making you stumble, it's better you get rid of it than letting your whole body get into hell. If it is your right eye, pull it out. These are not statements that I need in literal sense. We don't want to find you that you've plucked out your eye because uh, it causes you to sin in the physical sense. Hmm? We... Understanding what Jesus is saying here that if there is anything that you know is causing you to sin, get rid of it. If it is that phone, that mobile phone, that smartphone that you have, that is causing you to sin, it is with it that you, you, you view pornography. Because By the way, here, when Jesus says everyone who looks at a woman, it can be the physical woman there that you're looking at, or it can be the woman on your smartphone on the pornography side, that is all adultery. and That's on the rampant, that's everywhere, that uh, people are engaging and viewing pornography at a very high level, or whichever level it might be, whether small or high. It is something that is also regarded as adultery. If it is a phone that is causing you to sin, that is the right eye. Throw it away. If it is a phone that is causing you to look and lust, then that is the right hand. Cut it off. Take it away. Get a simple phone that will not lead you to those sites. It is better for you to get rid of the phone than to go to hell. That's what Jesus is saying. If it is friends that are causing you to sin, if it is those friends that are causing you to enter into sin that is going to lead to hell, it's better you get rid of those friends. That is the right eye. That is the right hand that is making you stumble. Cut them off. Cut off that group of people from your life. than getting your whole self into eternal punishment. Cut it off. If it is the job you're doing, the work you're doing, the nature of business that you're doing, that is going to lead you to hell, to destruction, it's better you close it off. You know, there are some jobs we do, and it is seen in itself. And for the beliefs you have and the product you sell they do not match you rather close the business than be accounted on that day of judgment that you led people to sin that you practiced in the event of sin and Jesus here makes it very very practical for us and says whatever causes you to sin get rid of it whatever causes you to fall get rid of it If it is that eye, pluck it out. If it is that hand, cut it off. Cut off those elements that cause you to sin. They can be physical. They can be friends. It can be a job. It can be the area you are in, the community that you're in, and you have to leave. You leave. It's better that you do that than to end up in here because of that which you could not cut off. We shall close from there today. Father we thank you for your word we thank you for Lord you guide us and you speak to us and you show us your way we exalt you and give you glory and honor. In Jesus my name we pray Amen Thank you for joining us for our study today we believe that the world of God is alive and new each day open your heart and let God speak to you You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website bibleindepth.com.